fairy tales, children's stories about magical and imaginary beings and lands, often the first lens we give young minds to view the world they live in. Many assume these are fictional stories to be taken lightly, but what if there is more to them? This is a podcast where we'll tell you some myths and tales that you thought you knew, and we'll show you how they are connected to real-life crimes today. This is Scary Tales, where the stories of your childhood meet real-life horror. We'll discuss how the light and happy tales of youth actually have a darker history to them. We'll also discuss true crime today and some of the eerie connections they have to the myths and legends of yesterday. Tune in for a new tale every other Tuesday. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, and anywhere you stream your podcast. Hello. Hi. How's it going? Good. I know you're excited about today. I'm so excited. Because we're talking about your favorite. My favorite Disney princess. The one and only. The one and only. A Pocahontas. Yep. I know. She's your fave. You talked about that in the first episode that we, we did on this. She's the best one. You got a lot of Disney princesses out there. A lot of them present as damsels in distress. But not Pocahontas. Not Pocahontas. She's strong. She's doing the dang thing. Yep. She's, she's a woman. saving other people, mm-hmm. which we're going to talk about that. Mm-hmm. So do you want to start us off with a quick Disney summary of what ha- what happens in the Pocahontas movie? Just getting into it right off the Just start. Just jump on in because okay. we've got a lot to talk about. Pocahontas. Seen it many a times. I know. Starts off Native American, Pocahontas. She's living in what is now America. Yep. What Pocahontas does during the day, she's getting around in a canoe, exploring the rivers, talking to animals, talking to Mother Willow. Mm -hmm. There's this grandmother willow tree who's this wise uh, fairy godmother type character, if you will. Pocahontas gets advice from her. She hangs out with her two sidekicks, Flit, the hummingbird, mm-hmm. and Miko, the raccoon. Side note, Miko is my favorite sidekick, Disney sidekick. Oh, uh, adorable. I he's love just, him. He's always concerned about snacks. Oh, that's us. He's always concerned about those we're, little crackers John Smith has. We're always concerned about snacks. John Smith comes over on a boat with the... Virginia Colony. Forgotten golden glory. Wait. For glory, God, and golden Virginia Company. Killed it. Smashed it. Smashed it. He comes over. On the way over, his friend Thomas goes overboard. John Smith, hero, muscular dude, jumps overboard, gets Thomas back on board, saves his life. Already the hero and hasn't even met Pocahontas yet. Mm -hmm. They keep on trekking. They get to America. They plant their boat ashore. They get out, start mining, doing colonist things. (laughs) Colonist things. (laughs) Hashtag colonist things. Pocahontas and John Smith come across one another. And I've always found this fascinating in the movie. They meet. And for the first maybe two seconds, they don't know know how to communicate. They don't speak each other's languages. Correct. Five seconds later, they understand everything the other person's saying. Magic. All part of the plot. Mm -hmm. They form a relationship. They fall in love. The only problem is Pocahontas' father, who is the chief, he has already given her away to Cocowam, promised her to Cocowam. Cocowam is is another member of the tribe. She's not interested in him. So there's a problem. We've the, got the, the classic love triangle. She's married. Correct. She's promised to someone else, but she loves. We love a good John love Smith. triangle. Classic. 
Coquillum and John Smith, they Coquillum finds Pocahontas and John Smith one day. They get in a fight. Thomas, the guy who John Smith saved earlier in the story, is also there, shoots Coquillum, kills Coquillum. This starts a whole big war between the English and the Native Americans, during which Pocahontas, they're going to cut off John Smith's head. Pocahontas throws her body over him. It's the big plot point the here. Famous, the famous Sacrifices scene. herself. In to the meantime. Saves his life. Mm-hmm. However, in the meantime, John Smith gets shot and has to go back to England. In the last scene of the movie, she's standing on this cliff and she's waving at him. And I've always loved this part because the ship is looks like it's halfway across the ocean. He can't, he can't see what she's doing. He might have over a, there. One of those Anyways, he waves back as if he sees her. <laughs> A final Which, farewell. Yeah, not not quite the happily ever after in terms of you know love. They're married and mm-hmm. perfect mar- life, uh, right? But happily ever after in terms of there was a understanding between the Native yeah. Americans and the English. Some learning, some yes. acceptance, understanding, mm-hmm. but not at all what happens in the true life story of Pocahontas. No, yeah, and now comes the part where we kind of we we talk about some of that. Mm-hmm. We talk about. We're not going to talk about Grandmother Willow because she's not in the story. Nope. No cute uh, little raccoon. There, I mean, there are probably cute little raccoons and hummingbirds there, but they're not. They're not sidekicks nope. to Pocahontas. Uh, really, there's no the and the one we want to focus on is the fact that there's not really this ma- this passionate romantic love story between Pocahontas and John Smith. There sure isn't. It actually probably Especially didn't even exist. Not even an age appropriate love story. Right. So let's get into that. True story of Pocahontas has much more tragedy, heartbreak to it. It's things like kidnapping, starvation, cannibalism, oh. death, oh. potential murder. Mm-hmm. All of the things. All, all of those things. So we'll start at the beginning. She was born in 1595 or 1596. We don't have substantial birth certificate for mm-hmm. her because, you know long time ago and her name was Amonute oh not even not even Pocahontas they left that out yep her other name like the name that she was kind of more known by by people closer to her was Matawaka okay also not Pocahontas correct Matawaka means flower between between two streams this was probably given to her because she was born between the two rivers Mataponi and Pamun Okay, and nailed it. it. Nailed it. In basically, she was born in Virginia, the Virginia area. Which mm-hmm. obviously, when she was born, they wouldn't have called it Virginia. This is mm-hmm. colonist lingo. But she was born in that Virginia area, which is going to play an important role because when the Virginia colony comes over, the Virginia colony, that's where they're going to land, and they're going to. That's going to cause some conflict. Mm-hmm. Her nickname, so her nickname was Pocahontas. I mean, she had a birth, I like that it's her birth, nickname and it's longer than the other two she names. She had a birth name and then like a more private name by the people who knew her well called her. And then she had this nickname, which depending on who you asked, it either meant playful one or it meant mischievous, ill-behaved child. So really two different. I feel like in English, these and the and this time the term would be like legal rascal. Yeah. 
Which, like, it, depending on how you said it and what you were saying it about, could be positive or negative. Can I think be endearing. I think part of where she gets it from is because she was seen as like very young and youthful and playful. Like she was super well known for just like doing cartwheels. Oh, so wholesome. Which is so, which is sweet. Yeah, she and I guess. In some respects, you would think, oh, like that's playful and cute. And then in other respects, I, I bet there were people in the tribe that thought like, hey, we need you to quit doing cartwheels and do something productive. Like mm-hmm. maybe that was seen as the more ill-behaved to some. But I will say that I love that it is recorded in Jamestown history by multiple, multiple people. Multiple people, not just one. They recorded about her cartwheels. Yeah. Like, you know, you're you're doing good cartwheels when multiple people take note of it. Yeah. And I, I did. it is an endearing thing, mm-hmm. you know. Of all the things children can be known for, it, but I also all, all children are ill-behaved and mischievous at times. So right, she was the daughter of a chief. His name was Wahoon Sanaka. I think I did that okay. Mm-hmm. Name bank. He yeah. he was. There's not a lot known about her mother, probably because as a chief he would have had multiple wives, which was normal for their culture. So mm-hmm. he had. Lots of children from different women. The The important thing was who her father was, that she was the daughter of the chief. He ruled between like 13,000 and 34,000 people. I know that's like a big old number gap. Mm-hmm. But regardless. Lots of people. Lots, he had a lot of people in his tribe. Uh, it was the Algonquian tribe or tribes that he was the ruler of. And they were in the same area as what we know as Jamestown, Virginia. Mm-hmm. They'd probably been there for like thousands of years yep. before the Virginia colony shows up. Pocahontas had, like I said, he had multiple wives, so she had um, lots of brothers and sisters. And she was recorded as being one of Powhatan's favorites. That I think he was just, she was just his favorite, Yeah, period. Yeah, that she... Most of what we have to go off of is just letters, diaries, journal entries. Like those are our, our documents that we go off of. And everybody talked positively about their relationship and how he viewed her and acted around her and how dear she was to him. John Smith, there's a little bit about Pocahontas' background. Mm-hmm. When the Virginia colony was founded, so when or when Jamestown, when the Virginia colony comes over and founds Jamestown, he was most likely around the age of twenty-seven. Mm-hmm. Pocahontas was probably around ten to twelve years old, according to like Native American oral history. Mm-hmm. Wonder why Disney didn't keep so that problem going. number one. Yeah, Disney decides that's too much of an age gap for mm-hmm. us to make it a love story. Big first big difference here. Second big thing is that. When John Smith came over with the Virginia Company, there weren't accounts of him like jumping off the boat and saving people and being this heroic thing. Mm -hmm. There were actually more accounts of him being accused of attempting mutiny. Um, At one point, he was made a prisoner. At another point, there was a plan to execute him once they got to Virginia. But mysteriously... When they get to Virginia, there was a sealed box with instructions from the leader of the Virginia Company back in England, and it named Smith as one of the seven men to lead the colony. Well, there you go. So just barely squeaked out of an execution on Mm -hmm. that one. And I do think that was like a 
a historical thing. Like you see that in a lot of older stories or movies where there's an official document that is sealed and sent over to be opened at a certain time. Mm -hmm. Because I guess, had they opened it earlier, they could have thrown whoever they wanted off the boat and been like, oh, sorry, we got rid of the seven guys that you like. Mm -hmm. I I definitely don't think he would have had a chance. But regardless, he gets out of that execution. And he'll later talk about another execution where he thinks that he was going to be executed by Pocahontas' father. When first colon- when colonies were first started, there were they usually failed. Not surprising. We've seen enough episodes of Naked and Afraid. Naked and Afraid to know that can't just throw people in a strange area and expect them to survive. Yes. They have to find food, they have to find water, they have to build shelter. You have to know the land. You have to know the land which they did not know. England it rains all the time. Right. Here not so much. So there were probably like a, about 100 settlers that came to Jamestown, and it did not have a great start. Not they, surprised. Not surprised. They did not know how to plant crops. There was starvation. Um, there was cannibalism. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a Smithsonian documentary that talks about skulls that they found where there were knife marks in the skulls, not knife marks that could have killed that person, but knife marks in terms of after that person had died, like they could tell that it was for the purpose of cannibalism. They could, yeah, they could tell that it was like cutting through just enough to get to to get the meat and someone stopping once they got to the bone. Yeah, mm. I love that you said the meat. Disney left that out too. Mm-hmm. They sure did. They could make a whole movie uh, on the Jamestown settlement alone without oh, Pocahontas even involved, agreed. and it would be a horror movie. Agreed. <laughs> agreed. And the Indians are just sitting over here like. These idiots. Right. They because, don't know how to do anything. Because they've been here for thousands of years, and so they knew everything the colonists didn't. Mm-hmm. In 1607 is the, kind of where the, the Poco, famous Pocahontas story begins. There's this big, big-ish clash between you've got Powhatan's men. They capture John Smith, who's out exploring for the, the land. He's trying to, you know, figure out what the heck he's doing. Mm-hmm. But he gets captured. They take him kind of from village to village. They're kind of, you know, showing off that they've captured one of the settlers. Also, he's like an anomaly. He's this white man, English. Oh, right. And he's got some status. I mean, mm-hmm. he's, you know, captain or leader, whatever they called him. He's like the he's like what they brought to show and tell that day. Yes. Look what we found over by the river. Mm-hmm. He's an idiot, but we've got him. Mm-hmm. When he's finally brought before Powhatan, Pocahontas' father, he recounts that they were there, like, ready to beat his brains out, that they were going to club him to death or kill him somehow. And this is when Pocahontas, like, threw herself on him and saved his life. Mm -hmm. But this Pocahontas version of the story he didn't even write about until 1624, which was after she died. And after she was famous. And after she was famous. So he, John Smith had multiple stories or books that he wrote, books being like diary, journal, entry-style things. All of the ones before her death did not mention her at all. The only one that mentions her by name and tells this famous story that everyone has latched onto was in six, his 1624 
book titled General History of Virginia, New England, and the Summer Isles. And that's where he 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 name drops Pocahontas. Sounds fishy to me. Now that she's famous and dead, and she can't sure recount his story, he he tells that whole famous story. So there's there's kind of two two groups that historians fall into. Either some say it just didn't happen at all. Mm-hmm. Like some people say he just made this up. He was known for kind of elaborating stories. If you read the rest of that book, he mentions like three or four times. Some woman saving him. Okay. Okay, John. (laughs) Sure. So some people think it just didn't happen at all. He just made it up. Other people think that he kind of misunderstood this kind of welcoming adoption ceremony that there was an attempt to, to bring peace between the Native American tribes and the colonists. And some people think he kind of misinterpreted this like welcoming in ceremony where Pocahontas would have just played a role, where they would have kind of scripted this death to one side of you in order to bring about new life. Because like a lot of ceremonies Mm -hmm. like that involve life and death. And so some people think he just like horribly misunderstood the whole thing. And I I can see that. Yeah, for sure. Because he doesn't know anything. I heard or read that other the people that believe it didn't happen at all say say that if it was one of these ceremonies, Pocahontas was a child and she wouldn't have been at one of these ceremonies anyway. So there's also that. Right. There's just there's too much evidence to point to anything but it actually happening. <laughs> right. So either it didn't happen and you made it up or you misunderstood. It maybe it happened but Pocahontas wasn't even there. Mm-hmm. Like Pretty much no historians believe that this is a true account. It happened the way he said it happened. Yeah. Because he, again, because he doesn't talk about her until after she was famous. Mm-hmm. I just, I take issue with that. His two his two versions were 1612 and 1624, and it's that 1624 version that talks about her, and she died in 1617. He had a, there's more about his relationship with Powhatan than there is with Pocahontas. Like, Powhatan was the one who welcomed him in, referred to him as kind of like a son, made him a, I think you told me how to say this word. Werewants? Werewants? Yeah. Which is which is kind of like a captain. So there was more more of a, honestly, more of a story between Powhatan and John Smith than, the, than I feel like there was between John Smith and Pocahontas. Mm-hmm. The historical context, you know, between Pocahontas and John Smith was probably more of this mutually beneficial alliance. Pocahontas could learn English from him. He could learn Algonquian from her. She could kind of go into the colony, take them food, and report back to her father about what was going on. He could learn from her about crops and plants and harvesting and things like that. So it was a mutually beneficial Relationship, probably not a romantic one, though. I would hope not. It's yeah, just weird that she's hanging out with somebody that old anyway. But well, I, and I wonder if it's because the colonists would have wouldn't have been, um, what's the word? Like, yeah, if maybe that's on a threatened by yeah. a young girl versus right. if they sent in a that big, makes sense. a big strong man. Mm-hmm. She was more of this sweet innocent. I mean, she's doing cartwheels around the. Doing freaking cartwheels. She's doing cartwheels around the, you know, all, all around the place. Mm-hmm. 
1608 and 1609 is where things kind of took more of a turn. Um, John Smith was in desperate need for food. Uh, Jamestown was struggling. He was going around, or I don't know if it was he, him specifically, but they were going around and violently demanding food from other colonies, villages. Any, hey, anyone hunger, who had food. Yeah. Hunger were, would make you do a crazy thing. Like eating uh, your, yes. your own people. Mm-hmm. The Native Americans were willing to trade with him uh, for for firearms. They wanted anything that was metal. Like metal was a new concept to them. They wanted anything that was metal, which obviously a lot of those things were firearms, knives, mm-hmm. guns, things like that. And they wouldn't. The Jamestown wouldn't wouldn't make the trade because if the Native Americans have guns, they're equally. Yeah, they're able to. They're more of a threat. So that that hurt the relationship a lot. That mm-hmm. part that was kind of what led to the big clash. The straw that broke yeah. the camel's back. Yes. So that's kind of the John Smith, which and also a lot of accounts said me talking about this kind of mutually beneficial relationship. That's why some people thought that Pocahontas was like a spy or mm-hmm. like a double agent, like because some accounts talk about the fact that she would take information from the colony back to her father's tribe. Uh, their accounts talk about how she would take information from her father's tribe to the colony. Like some people talk about, or Smith claimed that because he wouldn't make the trade and give the Native Americans weapons, that that's why Powhatan wanted to kill him. That that's why Powhatan wanted to kill him. But that Pocahontas came and t- told him, warned him, warned him. Mm-hmm. So some people, you know, saw that exchange of information on both sides. That they're like, was she a double agent? Mm-hmm. Betraying her ten or twelve, possibly. Yeah, yeah. And another thing that points to the fact that this might not be true—that she was helping John Smith in this time—was because it was extremely cold outside, really icy, unsafe conditions. She is the child of a chief. There are many people. Everybody's going to know where she's at. Yeah, they're going to have eyes on her at all times. Everyone knows who she is. Everyone's going to know what Mm -hmm. she's doing. She wasn't escaping to go. She's a kid. Yeah, she wasn't running through the forest at night with. These, yeah, I just, I don't see it. But so nevertheless. The the John Smith thing debunked. Mm-hmm. The way it happened in Disney. Scary tells opinion. Scary tells opinion. I mean, I, mean, I think a lot of oh, historians well, are saying that a lot of what he talked about was fabricated. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's just us. I think other people would back us up. When she was 14, so fast forward a couple of years, we've kind of put the John Smith story behind us. When she was 14, she there are accounts that say that she married a, another um, Native American warlord. I don't know. In in the American term, it was a he was a private captain, so he wasn't a chief. He wasn't the the son of a chief, but he had some status. Mm-hmm. Apparently, when she was 14, she married him, Cocoaum, which Cocoa is in Wum. the Disney, movie. and he's in the yeah he's in the Disney movie. Mm-hmm. Which, in the Disney movie, she doesn't like him. Correct. She, she thinks, says he's too serious, not interested at all. Yeah. And she has actual affections for John Smith. Mm-hmm. In accounts about Cocoaum, there's a, there's a man named William Strakey who wrote about Pocahontas. If you, if you read any historical documents about Pocahontas, they're probably either from John Smith or William Strakey. John Smith, we don't really trust. We feel like he had an agenda. William Strakey talks more 
at a distance. Mm-hmm. He he's was just, just saying what he saw. Right. So he's the one who talks about Coco um, describes him as a quote unquote private captain. And so because he wasn't a prince, like because he didn't basically have the equivalent status of Pocahontas, they think that this could have been more of a marriage for love's sake. Could be. Which a lot of marriages back then were political. Mm-hmm. So could it have been political? Yes. Could it have been See, I don't think it love? could have been political because he Just was below he, her. But he was, a, he, but he was from a different tribe. Oh, okay. A lot of things. I, I think it was probably a combination of things. I think it was probably there were a little bit family political reasons. I think there was some sort of affection. And then there also was the whole idea or concept that a lot of the English colonists were kind of sexually targeting Native American women. They didn't have as many women in their colony because they sent over more men than women. Options were limited. Options were limited. They needed more men to do the heavy lifting. They needed less women. So some of the men would potentially look outside of the colony for relationships, not in a great way, in a more aggressive way. Also, I think because, you know, they didn't understand the culture in terms of these women, like especially in the summer, they dressed differently. There was not as much clothing as they were used to in the English colonies with all the pedophores and skirts. Mm-hmm. So there are some accounts that talk about Native American women that were that felt targeted, and so they would get married and get pregnant as a deterrent. Which, said this earlier, if you're going to rape somebody... You don't care, right? If you have those intentions, so right. So I think poor plan. There was probably a little bit of all of the above for Pocahontas marrying Cocoa. Mm-hmm. Anyway, anyway. So second thing, Disney gets not accurate. Third thing. So first thing, John Smith. Second thing, Cocoa. Mm-hmm. Third thing, um, Pocahontas was kidnapped. They left that out. They left that out completely. Whole plot I don't point. know why. It's a. It's a. It makes for a good story. It's kind of where her life starts to change. Yes. So do you want to tell us a little bit a little bit about this? Yeah, sure. So Pocahontas, she is the princess. She's a hot commodity. If someone were to kidnap her, they would have leverage over the Native Americans and her father. Yep. So that is what the English do. They befriend some other Native Americans that know Pocahontas. I don't I believe they're a part of a different tribe, but they know her. She would have known them. Uh-huh. And they convince them to convince Pocahontas to come aboard one of their English ships. And at first, Pocahontas did not want to go. She was wary of it, as we all should be. Even these days, you're not gonna go get in the car with a stranger. Right. So you're not gonna get especially if you know that stranger has any sort of negative feelings towards you and yeah, your family. Yeah, you don't have a great reputation. Yeah. The the woman that she was with, this Native American that was trying to convince her of this, started um, supposedly was crying and being like, I don't want to be the only woman on the ship. Please come with me. Making her, you know, shaming her into getting on the ship. So she does. She goes, gets on, and she doesn't get back off. They kidnap her. And one of the famous points from this story is that the two Native Americans who assisted in this betrayal or this handoff in return were given a small copper kettle and some other small trinkets as a reward for 
bringing the Pocahontas to the English. Which, uh, yeah. But they, if you they, again, if you watch Naked and Afraid, one of their main items is a pot that a lot of them bring. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that they kind of like took advantage of the, Na- the Native Americans and what they needed. Mm-hmm. They wanted to exchange Pocahontas for weapons because that's what the um, stolen weapons. So they the English were trying to get back stolen weapons. But they but they apparently thought her life was just worth a small copper kettle. So, copper kettles are useful if you don't got one. That's what I learned on Naked and Afraid. <laughs> learned a lot from Naked and Afraid. After her kidnapping, they took her to Jamestown. They took her to other colonies, other small English settlements. Again, they kind of paraded her around the way John Smith was paraded, kind of showing people like, oh, look at who's joined our side. Mm-hmm. They they played it. I think they play, I don't think they played it off as like oh we captured her. I think they played it off more as oh she you know she's here helping us willingly. And also look, look at this Native American that we're bringing the gospel to. And yeah, that's the part of the story I hate that they you know she was put in someone one of the people who was put in charge of her was a reverend, mm-hmm. and they they played it off as oh we're we're Christianizing her we're we're teaching her the gospel. Mm-hmm. They they. These they, people, are, they, they thought they can um, refer to them as savages. Yeah. And they were making them into nice, polite English Christian people English, per what the English were thinking. Christian English, mm-hmm. which, again, that's them covering up their true, mm-hmm. their true motives. intentions, their yeah. true motives. In 1614, she was, quote, unquote, converted to Christianity, and she was baptized Rebecca. So they gave her a nice English name. You take somebody's name away. Yeah, it's it's very symbolic. And the name they chose, I think, was symbolic too, because Rebecca is a she's uh, a mother of two people. She well, yeah, she's a she's a, from the Bible. Mm-hmm. She's the mother of Jacob and Esau, who later become like the founders of two different nations. So I think they're trying to show this. Oh, she's the mother of two nations: the English and the Native Americans. The name of Rebecca. So she goes by Rebecca. Mm-hmm. There's actually a portrait of her. Did you know this? There's actually there's like a Epicanus? portrait. Yes. Oh yes. Well, yeah. I, it's it's titled Rebecca mm-hmm. because she's in the like Elizabethan that and they did that um, on purpose. Well, after she goes to England, yeah, which we'll get to. Yes. So a- after she. So again, recap: John Smith, liar, probably. Mm-hmm. Disney got that whole part wrong. Wrong. When she was 14, married Cocoam. Now, and Cocoam dies in one of the many conflicts, skirmishes, battles between the English and the Native Americans. Now, it's it's post her Christianization. It's April of 1614, and she marries John Rolfe. This marriage is the, the one that is led to the quote-unquote peace of Pocahontas. Mm-hmm. This was the this was the one that was supposed to show the joining of these two cultures. There, there's actually you can go stand. This is the the if you watch the Smithsonian documentary, you can stand in the spot where Pocahontas and John Rolfe got married, which I do think is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Archaeologists have found the the remains of that church. Add it to the list of places. We have a whole list of places we want from to visit. From this podcast where we want to go, that Dracula's Hotel, yep. that whatever in the name where of that the castle mirror, was. Where yep. the mirror, mirror is mm-hmm. in Snow White. 
all the things. Yep. We just want to go to Ireland just because. Because that's Lacey's favorite place. Mm-hmm. And now this, the church where they got married. They had a son. His name was Thomas. She eventually Thomas. Goes, I just I know. Got that I just connection. Got, I just got that connection too. He's the one that got thrown off the ship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, which another weird connection. In the Disney version, Thomas, the name of Thomas, is, or the voice of Thomas is Christian Bale. Mm-hmm. There's a live action. I can't say live action. There's a real version of the Pocahontas story called The New World. It came out in 2000. She just showed me this for the first time, and I have no idea how I've never seen this movie. It's a movie called The New World, um, and so Christian Bale was the voice of Thomas in the Disney version. In this 2005 version, he plays John Rolfe. See, they did that on purpose. I I think so. They were like, we don't care if he doesn't fit the part. Oh, no, he he did a good job. I mean, Christian Christian Bale does a good job at anything he does. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I digress. She marries John Rolfe. She's officially this Christianized Native American. She and John Rolfe have a son, and then they go to, they take a trip back to England. Mm-hmm. They kind of felt that this was supposed to be like this big show of look at how successful the colony was. Look at how successful we are at spreading Christianity. Right. So def- this was definitely a political move, which I I was listening to BBC Radio talk about John Rolfe, and I think John Rolfe was conflicted in both. I think he did have affection for mm-hmm. Pocahontas. Like, in, he wrote a bunch of letters, and in, in some of the letters he talks about his duty to the colony, you know, loyalty to England, things like that. But in other letters, he talks about his affection for Pocahontas and how, like, how much he feels for her. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I think it was a, a little bit of both here. He takes the family to England in 1616. She was extremely famous in English. Oh, it was talk of the town. Everyone knew who she was. She met a king. Yeah, King James. She met it. Yeah, she was. She was Lady Rebecca Wolf. Rolf. I said Mm -hmm. Wolf. Lady Rebecca Rolf. Yeah, she had, and there were other Native Americans that went with them. Mm -hmm. But she was the she was the showpiece. Mm -hmm. The English. They're, although that they're seeing all these atrocities that the settlers are committing against the Native Americans, the English did not approve of this mistreatment of Natives, per se. They believed that the friendship between the Natives and the English was a key way to continue financial support for the colonists. Yeah, because the, the, the English back in England mm-hmm. wouldn't have continued to support colonization had if it had only been like all this death and bloodshed, right? It doesn't make sense. So in order, so a, a political and financial move mm-hmm. for them to bring Pocahontas back and say, "Oh no, look, we're not killing them all. Mm-hmm. We're not. We're not forcing them off their land. Right? We're helping them." Yeah. She meets uh, John Smith again. I know. I love. I just. <laughs> I I still think I think he would have known that she was there. Everyone uh-huh. knew. Right. So I think he, you know place himself somewhere near her. He somehow found her in the midst in, in, in the, midst the vast of everyone. land of England. He found her. There's actually an account that, again, he's the one telling this account, so take that as you will. Right. He wrote a letter to Queen Anne describing all that Pocahontas had done for him, helping the English and Jamestown. And all she had done for him. Mm-hmm. 
she's in love with me, blah, blah, blah. Pocahontas had been in England for several months, actually, before Smith found her, visited her, however you want to say that. He wrote that she was so overcome with emotion that she could not speak and turned away from him. I, I see that as she is so overcome with disgust, she didn't want to look at you or give you the time of day. But. Or that she, like, yeah, doesn't have anything to say to you because she was 10 when you were there and y'all just, like, taught each other <laughs> a couple words. And she now has PTSD and she's frozen into silence. Yes. Either way, she gains her composure and he said that she, as soon as she could speak, she reprimanded him and went off on him about the way she treated her father and her people. Her and, father had... My, like my father considered you a son. Mm-hmm. Like you, you she just, her back I just on imagine us. her just giving it to him. Yeah, telling him how it is, which is probably why she's and one of your like, favorite Disney princesses. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I still just a reminder: he didn't talk about any of this in his previous accounts of her. Mm-hmm. It was after she was famous, after she came to England, after she died that he plays that part of his story up. Mm-hmm. Just sit down. You know what I mean? Just. Because he, wa- he waited seat. until Pocahontas, b- both Pocahontas and her father were dead, so they couldn't tell their side of the story. Mm-hmm. So no one could ask them, did this actually happen? Yeah. Like I said, John Smith and William, what was the other guy's name? William Sa- Stra- Stra- Strackey, Stra- that they were the two that, that were probably the most like well-written about the whole Pocahontas thing, and John Smith was just all for his own glory. Mm-hmm. For glory, yeah. for glory, God and gold, and the Virginia Company. And John Smith. Mm. <laughs> so this story, it wraps up in a very sad... And um, yeah. conspiracy way. Yes. So it fits in right in. It Scary really does. tales here. Yes. In March of 1617, the Roth family had planned to return to Virginia... They were going down the Thames River. I always want to say Thames because I'm an idiot. (laughs) On the way down the river, Pocahontas becomes seriously ill, and they had to take her to shore. And the place, the town they take her into shore in is known as Gravesend. And this is where she died of, at the time, an unspecified illness. They weren't sure what it was. I mean, there was a whole list of just Mm -hmm. many people believe she suffered from an upper respiratory ailment could have been pneumonia. Others say dysentery. However, some people believe she could have been poisoned because, or murdered. Because it was really quick. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the, the BBC radio production I was listening to about it talked about how it was like a 10-day turnaround. Mm-hmm. Like there was one document one day that made Zero mention of any ailments of her, like Mm -hmm. nothing wrong with her. And then 10 days later, she's dead. Right. But I also can see she's a Native American coming over to England, introduced to a bunch of germs, new diseases, everything. So who knows? Was she murdered? Did she just die unexpectedly? Some some people have, some Native Americans today have questioned whether or not she was poisoned. Could have been. Either way, she was only 21 at the time, so very young, and she was buried at St. George's Church on March 21st, 1617. This part I find really sad. John Roth returned to Virginia, but yet, but left their son Thomas with relatives in England. And within a year of that, of Pocahontas dying, her father Powhatan died. 
And the peace, what was known as the peace of Pocahontas, began to slowly unravel more, and the life of her people would never be the same. And I'm sure everyone knows that the, our history with Native Americans and how they were treated and all of that's just garbage, atrocious. Yeah, that time when she was married to Rolf was like that small window of peace. Mm-hmm. That once she and her father were gone, things reverted back to just chaos. Yeah, horrible. Very fun fact. I love this fact so much. Thomas Roth, their son, eventually goes back to Jamestown, and he's just a great farmer, killing it over there, killing the game. Descendants from him are known to be Nancy Reagan, Ronald Reagan's wife. Mm -hmm. I love, you know, I love presidents. All my animals are named after presidents. Yep. And Woodrow Wilson's wife, Edith Wilson. Also, Robert E. Lee. Those are all, they all came off the Rolf line, supposedly. I, I think that's cool. Mm-hmm. Fun, fun tidbit. Let us know if you know that you're a Rolf. Uh, Ancestry.com. Mm-hmm. Well, see, How, here's the you, thing. You would die if you found out that well, Pocahontas he, was in your, some, she's somewhere not. in your bloodline. Okay. Oh, you've looked? Well, I did 23andMe. Oh, nice. Everyone in America, if you're not an American, People love to think that they are Native American. Oh, right. Everyone says, oh, my grandfa- great-great-grandfather was Native American. Everyone loves that. Yeah. Hardly. Yeah, that's very, never it, true rare. half the time. Yeah. So <laughs> anyways, I, um, I had heard in my lifetime that some of my family members could have been Native American. Did 23andMe. It breaks down the percentage points. I was zero point zero percent. Oh no, Native American. Not a single chance. No, no Pocahontas. Not a single chance. I'm Irish, and German and French. So, not bad. Not bad. But I could have been a Roth. I guess. I know you could have been just only. Yeah. Anyway, who cares? (laughs) Little little tidbit. Who cares about my genealogy? Fun facts. I really want you to do that, and let's see if you are. And then I can I be know, a friend I, of one of Pocahontas' descendants. Because Pocahontas is Lacey's favorite. Mm-hmm. We, have we, a, we have a snack break. We do. Y'all Y'all already know. I'm kind of worried about what today's snack is. It, our, our snack break today is kind of weird. Uh-huh. Like, it's out there. Yeah. So um, give so us get, a second. Get we got to go warm it up. We got to go cook it. We'll meet you in a few. Hang on tight. It's a snack. Wow, Hannah, your voice sounds different today. Yeah, a little under the weather. Yeah, well, that this is actually Chase. We screwed up the snack break that went with this episode. We don't know where it went. It disappeared into thin air, went went through platform nine and three quarters, didn't come back. <laughs> so I get to be the substitute snack yes. taster. Yes, so do you want to tell them what we got? Yep, fruit by the foot. Starburst edition. Oh, nice. So I saw these in the store. They come in strawberry, orange, cherry, and lemon. And I have a strawberry and you have a lemon. Yeah. Short now, end of the stick. I know you're new to this, but this is the part of the show where we hold our package parcel, what have you, up to the microphone. And okay. we go ASMR. Mm-hmm. Open it up. Mm-hmm. Mm. 
That's good. Yeah. I assume the strawberry is probably better than the lemon. You want to swap? Yeah. Did you like the strawberry? Or the lemon? Or the lemon? It was okay. Yeah? Okay. It's kind of the same as Starburst, though. If you opened up a Starburst pack and it was all the yellows, you'd be a little bit disappointed. Oh, I don't like the lemon. Mm-mm. It, mm, it kind of tastes like Mr. Clean. <laughs> yeah, the strawberry is definitely better. Oh. Would you recommend these? Yeah, totally. I'm probably a little bit biased, though, because Fruit by the Foot is nostalgic from our childhood. Right. I think it could uh, it could have been green bean flavor, and I probably would have liked it. So Yeah. I don't know about that, but I do like strawberry. Strawberry is obviously the best flavor, yep. even with the regular Starburst. So now what we normally do is you rate the snack at a 10. Okay, so one means... You hate it. Trash. Trash. Get okay. it out of here. 10 is the banana pudding, the fried banana pudding. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Where, oh, yeah. where we get that. So I'm going to give it a 6. I'd say, to be exact, 7.4. Wow. And that's why we like you around here. <laughs> when we cut back to the show, you might hear us talking about uh, a chicken sandwich and how much I want to eat a chicken sandwich, and that's not just like a euphemism for something. In the, the lost snack break, Hannah and I tried Uncrustables barbecue chicken sandwiches. And in case you're wondering who, who this guy is, this is Chase. He's my husband and the producer of our show. We like him around here. He helps us edit all our stuff. And I'm not spilling your Chipotle on the floor. Yeah. Ed- editing the podcast. Yep. And we really appreciate it. You're very welcome. So, yeah. Did you like snack break? Did you have fun? I will sit in anytime you need me to. We, we love it. All right. Should we get back? Let's do it. All right. Time it is. Snack break. No, we've already done snack break. It's true crime oh. time. <laughs> I'm thinking about the barbecue sandwich. Lacey's still uh. thinking about our snack break. It was good. She already wants more. True crime. It's true, true crime, crime time. time. True crime time is my Lacey's time to shine. Snacks. <laughs> so much singing this episode. So much singing. It's because I'm so excited. I love Pocahontas. It's because she loves Pocahontas and she could sing the Pocahontas songs all day. Mm-hmm. And day. I do. And she does. Today, we're going to be talking about... So every every week we talk about a... You know the drill. A fairy tale, legend, whatever. Second part, we talk about true crime, but we relate that true crime back to the first part of the episode. So today, we are going to be telling the story of Savannah LaFontaine Greywind. And she was an indigenous woman that was murdered, sadly. And the reason we're part of the reason we're doing this story, other than it fits our theme, is because stories like hers need to be heard. The statistics are staggering on the murder and sexual violence that happens in the indigenous women population. Every year in the United States and Canada, indigenous women experience violent assault, including sexual violence, at a far higher rate than any other racial group. And specifically in the United States, indigenous women are twice as likely to go missing than white American women, even though they make up a smaller percentage of the population as a whole. 
And in many parts of the country, indigenous women are 10 times more likely to be murdered compared with the rest of the population. Which those are like dra- some pretty dramatic mm-hmm. statistics. Staggering. Yeah, and I and I don't fully know why. Mm-hmm. We were talking about this earlier. I don't know if it's this this subconscious, you know, it's this it's this group of people that were treated poorly in the past, mm-hmm. and it's that somewhere in like, you know, American background, you know, the back of our minds that that's why because there's there's not a good explanation for why a smaller number of people experience this on a greater mm-hmm. percentage. Well, um, other than just, you know, racism yeah. is alive and well. Yeah. And um, she's not white. Yeah. So. And and a lot of these stories end up, they they aren't, pr- like, proceed, like the, the follow-up procedures aren't investigated as Right. They don't take it they, as seriously. Yeah, it's not as serious of... They're kind of just a throwaway. Yeah. Um, a throwaway case mm-hmm. in a lot of situations. So anyway, here is her story. At age 22, Savannah LaFontaine Greywind was just beginning her life. Obviously, she's 22. She was living with her parents and her brother in a basement par- apartment in Fargo, North Dakota. However, she had plans to get her own apartment with her boyfriend, Ashton. They were just starting their lives and were soon to welcome their first child. So she was pregnant, very excited about this. Her family was excited about this. And they had planned to start this life together, move in together, all that kind of stuff. Also, Savannah had recently gotten a job as a nursing assistant. So just starting her career life as well. And she was hoping to qualify as a nurse specializing in elder care, which if you know anything about me, the elderly, that I love them so much. They're so cute. But in this just, I mean, she had so much ahead of her. Mm -hmm. And it goes to show her character. Yeah, it shows her character. You know, she's young, starting this incredibly, you know, Great job. I mean, mm-hmm. in terms of what she's doing for the community, she's got a relationship. She's got a kid on the way. Lots of, lots of what? things going for her, which just make this story even more know, tragic and even, sad. Yeah, Savannah was really close with her family and a member of the Lake a Spirit Lake Sioux. We looked it up. That's what it said. I would have said Sioux. So I'm glad. The X is it pronounced? So Sioux tribe. She was moving out, but she loved her family. It didn't mean they weren't close or anything. She was just starting her new life with her boyfriend. It makes sense that she's moving out. She got a mm-hmm. new job, got a baby on the way. She's going to start her own mm-hmm. her own thing. The apartment above the Grey Winds where she was living at the time, it was apartment number five, it was occupied by Brooke Cruz, who was 38, and William Hone, Hohen, who was 32, and... The two of them began dating in 2014, and they moved into this apartment building in May of 2016. The couple was known for their extreme explosive fights. Anyone in the apartment building could hear it. It shook the ceilings, the neighbors said. And not long after they moved in, Hohen pleaded guilty to assaulting Cruz when he threw her into the bathtub. Yikes. Not a great relationship. No. The court ordered that he have no contact with Cruz, but six months later, police responded to a disturbance report and found Hohen in the apartment, and he was charged with violating his no contact no contact order. 
Yeah, like it's like a, res- a restraining order, and mm-hmm. those things almost always get broken. Mm-hmm. Savannah's uh, mom, family knew of them. Like I said, the fights were really loud. Everybody in the apartment building knew that these two crazy people were living above them. And Cruz and Hohen each had several run-ins in the law before they met. So you take one yeah, one criminal, take another criminal, put them together, you get a big old mess. Yeah, They both had a long string of partners before meeting each other with um, with their partner. Cruz had uh, as many as seven children, and Hone had two children. Which they're in their, what, early, late 30s? They're mm-hmm. in their 30s, so, mm-hmm. but still, that's nine but kids. seven. That's nine kids between the two of them, and that's a it's lot. It's a lot. A lot of pressure, and a they, lot of stress. They probably aren't great coping parents if they're fighting mm-hmm. this much. Neither had any contact with their kids from previous relationships. Okay, not surprised. In particular, Cruz had been sued repeatedly for not paying her child support. Also not surprised. Not mother of the year, not father of the year. Savannah and her family didn't know the couple well. I mean, they'd heard of them. They saw them around the apartment building in passing, maybe exchanged a few hellos. Yeah, I imagine they're not like going out to get dinner on mm-hmm. a Friday night together. Mm-hmm. According to Cruz, in January 2017, she told Hohen, that, I hope I'm saying that right and I don't jack it up for the rest of the episode, but she told him she was pregnant after after he threatened to leave her, which sadly, I believe this is something that happens a lot. People threaten to oh, leave yeah. or get divorced and they're like, no, we'll have a baby and it'll fix this situation. Oh, it yeah. never works, people. Right. Hohen later found out that Cruz had lied to him about her pregnancy Enraged, he ambiguously told her to produce a baby. Because what is just, that? Just make one right here. Make it out of magic, or he would leave her. So uh, he basically was like calling her out on her bluff. Like uh-huh. you said, you're you, pregnant. You said you're pregnant. Okay, have a baby. Pop it out. Give it to if me you, right now. If you don't, I'm out. Mm-hmm. There was nothing crazy about August nineteenth, two thousand seventeen. It was a mm-hmm. normal day for Savannah. It was actually August in North Dakota, so it's warm, and the temperatures are in the mid-80s, just set in the scene for you. That's hot when you're eight months pregnant. You're, yeah. you're feeling it. It was a Saturday, and Savannah did not have much planned for that day. Brooke Cruz had asked Savannah to model a dress she had made. So I guess she saw Savannah at some point, thought she'd be a great model, said, hey, I'll give you $20 if well, you model this dress for me. I also imagine she was probably like, hey, I am got this dress for when I, you know, I'm having a baby. I got this dress for when I, because she's eight months pregnant. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's got to be a maternity dress. Right. So Could have been. Didn't even think about that. Savannah agreed, not thinking anything about it, just a easy, cheap way to make easy 20, 20 bucks. bucks. Throw a dress on, take a picture, there you go. Savannah was known for being really kind and generous and rarely passed on the opportunity to help others, so it's no surprise that she was willing to do this. At 1.24, Savannah texts her mom and her boyfriend, and she lets them know about her plans to go up and model this dress for this lady. Throw on a dress, get 20 bucks. Easy 20 bucks. Also, always a good idea to text your loved ones what you're doing, where you're going. Yeah. Always. Yeah. In the meantime, she ordered a pizza for lunch to share with her family, left it sitting on the countertop to cool while she went up and took these pictures. She thought she'd be right back. No big deal. Should take five minutes, maybe. Right. Norberta Graywin, Savannah's mother, replied to Savannah's text messages text messages around these times, but never heard back. 
from Savannah again. Ash and her boyfriend also did not hear back, was trying to get in touch with her. So they both replied but never heard a reply. Mm-hmm. Norberta continued to text her daughter throughout the after- afternoon. I imagine she's freaking out. I know my mom does oh, this. If I, yeah, if I don't respond to one text message. And five minutes later, she will always start it with Lacey, comma, <laughs> then restate the question. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, I also think mothers have an intuition too in terms of they know what's normal or not normal mm-hmm. for their child. For she her also, to say that she, I have pizza ready and then not to respond. Mm-hmm. Like she wasn't that she knew she wasn't in a situation where she couldn't respond. And they said that Savannah usually was prompt when responding to her text messages. You yeah, know so those the, people. The mom, you know yeah, people who are good at people. texting back and the people that it takes like you better text them ten days in advance. We all know those people. Right. At the Greywind apartment, the now cold pizza sat untouched on the counter. Savannah's purse was also in the kitchen. Not a good sign. Mm-mm. Her car was parked outside in its usual spot. Not a good sign because so she, so where she is she? Anyway. Yeah. She was supposed to give her brother a ride to work that day, but she never showed up to get him. So her mom actually had to end up taking her brother to work. Before he left for work, work Savannah's brother went up to the upstairs apartment where Cruz was supposed to be taking these pictures. Because they knew that's where she was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. He did go knock on the door, but no one came to answer it. He did, however, report he heard what sounded like a sewing machine. I I don't, don't know what this ever later equated to. Maybe there maybe was she, a sewing maybe machine. She like, maybe what she was sewing the dress. Maybe she left. I mean, my mind goes to sinister places. Mm-hmm. But maybe she, you know, that was her deterrent, you know, mm-hmm. the sound of the sewing machine. Oh, I just couldn't hear. Could be. Couldn't hear you over the sewing machine. Could be. Savannah's dad also went to the apartment, knocked on the door, and a woman answered and said, She's going to be a little bit longer. I mean, that woman being Cruz said, she's going to be a little bit longer, which mm, it's very she, sad that it yeah. it was much, much, much longer. Never again would they see yeah. Savannah. Around 4 p.m., Norberta was extremely worried at this point. Why hadn't Savannah been in contact with her? What was going on upstairs? That whole situation was weird. So she, Mama Bear, went and knocked on the door. And when Cruz answered, she told Norberta that Savannah had left the apartment around 2.45 p.m. Norberta knew that her daughter wouldn't just have walked off after leaving Cruz's apartment. Remember, she's eight months pregnant. Yeah, it's in the middle of gone? August. She's not going to walk anyway. Yeah, it's hot outside. If she would have even done that to start with, she would have taken her purse so that that just doesn't make sense. Again, a daughter, a mother knows their daughter. Right. She this she was not normal behavior mm-hmm. for Savannah. Furthermore, Norberta did not trust the couple living upstairs because, like we said earlier, there were constant knew. fights. A couple of weeks prior to this, Cruz had come to their apartment and asked Savannah if she wanted to smoke some weed with her, and Savannah was like, "No, nah, thanks. I'm pregnant." Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, so she had they, they these people upstairs had this couple had a reputation. They weren't Not Norberta's a good one. favorite. Not a right. good reputation. Four thirty PM rolls around and Norberta was losing her mind at this point. She couldn't take it anymore. And she called the Fargo PD and reported her missing. The police officers get there at the apartment building right around five PM. After speaking to Savannah's mom, the police officers made their way upstairs to apartment five. 
Savannah, Savannah's last known whereabouts. Which I'm actually surprised they came out that quickly because she's missing, but she's only been missing for like three hours. Mm-hmm. Normally, and they normally take 24 Normally they hours. make you wait 24 hours. But I guess because she was pregnant, mm-hmm. it was more of a risk of like, okay, yeah, eight-month pregnant lady can't just disappear. Mm-hmm. Like, And it's less likely that she yeah. they would walk off or Right, it's run not away. like her car was missing or anything else. Mm-hmm. They... Actually searched the apartment twice on August 19th and again on August 20th, in which case they found nothing either time, which later we'll talk about it. Yeah. Suspicious. Foreshadowing is already freaking me out. Mm -hmm. A lot of people say that the police officers sounded careless and unconcerned with Savannah's disappearance. Uh, Her mom would later tell a reporter that she felt like they were not taking her daughter's disappearance seriously and they just didn't care. Which, again, which if my child went missing and the police weren't, there weren't 50 million of them outside with a flashlight and dogs and helicopters flying outside, that's not good enough. Right. And I still think at this point she's been gone for three hours. Mm -hmm. So they probably weren't being as, three hours in the grand scheme of things is not a long time. Mm -hmm. However, you know, given all the, the people in the apartment and their sketchy past and, you know, she's eight months pregnant and this is not normal behavior, then yeah. But I, I do think the timing probably had to do with There wasn't with an it. urgency because right. it hadn't been that long. It hadn't been that long. Cruz and Hone were the only suspects in Savannah's disappearance, but the police were not getting any information from them. They were, they were silenced, didn't want to talk. This changed, however, as things do. They, the police went to the company where Hohen worked. He worked at a roofing company. And they began questioning some of his workmates, co-workers. And it quickly became clear to them that Hohen and Cruz were not being honest about the events that happened that day. People like to talk. Yeah. So multiple employees at the roofing company told the authorities that Hohen had a new baby at home questionable because earlier we talked about how she didn't have a baby how she said she was pregnant but she wasn't just to try to keep him to to make him stay and the police were like okay but we searched the apartment and there was no baby no signs of a baby no baby clothes baby toys anything in the apartment ew Mm -hmm. the grim reality of what had happened was beginning to set in for everybody yeah The reports of Hohen and Cruz's new baby were enough to grant the police a warrant to once again search the apartment. This will be the third time. And they did this. That's right. They did this on August 24th. This time, they were in luck. Cruz was in the apartment, and there on the bed lay a healthy baby girl. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Police arrested Cruz right then and there. And they went to work to, or Hone's work, to arrest him. Three days after the baby was found, Savannah Graywin's body was discovered by kayakers just across the border from Fargo in Moorhead, Minnesota. She had been wrapped in plastic and duct tape. On Friday, John Johnson Martinez told Judge Raysek that LaFontaine Graywin had a tattoo on her foot that read, Too Beautiful for Earth. And this was what was I used to identify her body as she was yeah, pulled from ta- the river. Ta- river tattoos. A lot of times are the like identifying. The law often mm-hmm. ask like, do they have any like birthmarks or tattoos? Mm-hmm. When they pulled her from the river, she had been sliced from hip to hip, and there was no baby inside. 
have a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. A the, DNA test was performed on the baby girl that they found in the apartment, and it was confirmed to be Savannah's, and the baby was taken to live with Savannah's boyfriend, the baby's father. So you mean to tell me that they performed a C-section on this woman? Girl, we can do it. In the apartment, and nobody found any traces of that? Mm-hmm. Questionable. Yeah. I have a lot of questions. Cruz sat down with her interview for the police, and she told a crazy story. As I'm not surprised. Mm-hmm. When Savannah was at her apartment, Cruz said that Savannah taught the young woman to break her own water and induce birth. What do you mean you taught her? Why does she? Which, why would what, she do that? Cruz thinks she's like <laughs> this woman that offered you hey, pot and hey, gets, yeah, I offered you to smoke weed with me. You're eight months pregnant. I fight all the time with my significant other, and let's go ahead and have that baby. Mm-hmm. Cruz later said that Savannah gave birth and then gave the baby to her. Why not? Who would believe that bull malarkey? And then, well, then how does Cruz explain? Mm-hmm. She doesn't. There's no yeah. explaining. Why, how do you explain the fact that she has this massive cut on her body? So she couldn't explain it. So right, later, there is no she, she goes on to tell what actually happened, which was Savannah came up to the apartment under the pretense of modeling a dress for her. And what was what happened was one of the most horrific, terrifying ordeals anyone could experience. I can't imagine just the yeah, terror. I'm trying not to imagine. Pretty much as soon as Savannah arrived, Cruz started an argument with her. The two ended up fighting in the bathroom. You're fighting an eight-month pregnant woman. Yeah. You scumbag. Cruz pushed Savannah, causing her to hit her head on the sink, and she became unconscious. Cruz then went into the kitchen, got a knife, returned to the bathroom, and proceeded to haphazardly cut Savannah's abdomen open, pulled the baby out, and at this time, Savannah was drifting in and out of consciousness. She's losing a lot of blood. Cruz started... I still still have have, questions. It said, okay, haphazardly cut in her abdomen. Mm-hmm. Okay, I get it because this lady clearly is not a doctor. Probably is on some sort of... Most likely. Drug. Mm-hmm. But that that's a complicated thing, right? Like... I think, yeah, how, how she... A, the a baby. complicated procedure? Like, mm-hmm. how, how they, you didn't uh, how you stab didn't, the baby in the process? You didn't cut the umbilical cord. Mm-hmm. You didn't cut anything well, you were sure supposed did, to cut. I'm sure she did, but she just... Yeah. But the baby ends up healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thankfully... Yeah. Cruz starts to clean up the blood from the bathroom floor. Like I said earlier, the police didn't find any evidence. That's How? questionable. There's blood everywhere. I mean, if you cut someone's abdomen open, the blood spill would just be... Everywhere. Yeah. Hoen came home, and he finds Cruz holding this newborn baby, and she's like, this is our baby. This is the one you asked for. This is our family, she was quoted to say to him. He asked Savannah. He asked if Savannah was dead because he knew of her. And Cruz said, "I don't know. Please help me." You're probably just in a panic at this point. Like right. I did this in a rage and a desperate attempt to keep my man around. And afterwards, you're just like, "What in the world did I just do?" According to Cruz, Hone left the bathroom and came back with a rope because Savannah, at this time, was still alive, still breathing, unconscious but alive. He put the rope around Savannah's neck and strangled her to death. 
he then said, if she wasn't dead before, she is now. Yikes. The two of them then stashed Savannah's body in a closet in the bathroom and finished cleaning the blood from the floor. I, I, okay. Yeah. There would have been blood all over that house. Mm-hmm. And these two don't sound like the brightest no. bulbs. The the shiny, well, what is that phrase? The brightest crayons in the box? Yeah. How, the sharpest how crayons did, in the box. I thought it was the sharpest Bright tool bulbs. in the shed. Yeah. We're not they either. Sound, like, they <laughs> sound about as dumb as we do right now. Um, we're, we listen, we're sleepy. We're hungry. They're not They're not masterminds. How did they clean all this up, get rid of all the evidence, How did police whatever. come to their apartment they, three times? They probably didn't. The police just didn't look that far into it. Yeah. Hohen later said that each time the apartment was searched, he was in bed and the baby was under a blanket sitting right next to him. The police missed all of that. Please explain how that happens. <sighs> babies babies don't just sit there quietly. No. They, they squirm. They move. Yeah. The two must have done an extremely thorough job of cleaning up, Even given that the murder, so. the murder likely occurred between 2 p.m. and 3 p.m., and the police came at 5 p.m. to search the, the house, and they didn't see anything. There is no way. They Bring cleaned, a black light. They cleaned all that up in two to three hours, which I, I do think the first time the police came, they probably weren't doing a like they weren't murder a, yeah. search. There was a missing person at mm-hmm. that point. Second time, maybe a little bit more. Third time. Get your eagle eyes out. Yes. Be looking. Should have done that on the first time. On August 20th, after the police had searched the apartment for the third time with no luck, Hohen said that he hollowed out a dresser, stashed Savannah's body in it, and then in the early hours of August 21st, Cruz and Hohen put the dresser in their Jeep, drove to a bridge, and pushed the dresser over into the bridge. Savannah was found nearly six days later. No one knows where the dresser went. It was never found. But thankfully, Savannah was found, and we know what happened to her. During her testimony, Cruz confirmed that while Hohen had demanded that she, quote-unquote, produce a baby, he did not know of her plan to murder Savannah and claim her baby as her own. Yeah, I, and I believe that. Yeah, because it sounded I, like she, Savannah came up. She It sounded like she came up with this idea all of a sudden, and Savannah went up there and Yeah, yeah. I, I, and I think when he said, oh, you're pregnant, produce a baby, or else mm-hmm. I'm leaving, I, I don't think he meant it. I think he was just trying to stab at her and say, mm. Yeah, you. Oh, okay. You're pregnant. Have a baby. Mm-hmm. He, he he don't. Yeah, he didn't mean this literally. Yeah, he, he's a but horrible he's, person. But he still is the one who killed. He's still Savannah, a dirtbag. So, so they both deserve it. Uh huh. And Cruz testified that Hohen had strangled Savannah, and this was disputed actually by a fellow inmate of Cruz who testified that Cruz had told her she she had strangled Savannah. But with oh, okay. Take another, take one criminal's word against another's. Who, uh, yeah. Either way, Savannah is unfortunately dead. It, it is, un- and either way, both Cruz and her and Hohen are responsible. Correct. It it, it doesn't the detail, matter. Who, the devil is not the devil's not in the details in yeah, the story. It doesn't, it doesn't matter, matter if someone's killed, dead. Yeah, you're both both were responsible. Scum bags. Yes. It's unknown whether Savannah ultimately died of blood loss or strangulation. And the autopsy only listed her cause of death as homicidal violence. It, okay. I, first time, first, second time, they don't 
see any blood or a baby in the bed. Mm-hmm. Okay. By that third time they went there, would there not have been a smell to the body? Well, they got they put it in the dresser and drove it to the lake, the river. But but that third time they looked, she was in the she was in the dresser in the house, right? I don't think so. Oh, because but like, if she was, I, yes, I, could have been at that I point. Feel yes, like you would have smelled decomposition. Mm-hmm. Definitely at that point. On February second, two thousand eighteen, Cruz was sentenced to life in prison without the chance of parole. Thank you. I hate hearing these stories where horrific things happen like this and they get like 40 years. No. You you do something this brutally, you life in prison. Yeah, Thank you. you shouldn't get the chance to get out. She spoke briefly before she was sentenced and said, I'm just really, really, really sorry. I wish I could take their pain, referring to Savannah's family. She said, I wish I hadn't done this. There is no excuse. There is no rationalization. There is nothing. I know it doesn't help, but I'm sorry. And you're absolutely right. Nothing you'll ever, ever, nothing you will ever say is going to be good enough. No, you're horrible, and you're where you belong. And you also need some psychological yes. help. Yeah, she did say, and like snaps to you for at least saying this. She said, "I deserve every year that I get." Girl, you got life, so yeah, you deserve it all. Yep. On September fourth, two thousand eighteen, Hohen pleaded guilty to conspiracy to commit kidnapping and lying to the police. He was also charged with conspiracy to commit murder, to which he pleaded not guilty. He was tried and acquitted of this charge on September 8, 2018. He was originally sentenced to life in prison, but the sentence was overturned by the North Dakota Supreme Court. And in October of 2019, he was sentenced to 20 years in prison. Interesting. So I guess they they did put the—they didn't trust when Cruz said that he had— strangled savannah i guess right they they took what the other inmates had said worse Mm -hmm. she had admitted that she did it yep or i you know i don't know what other evidence they had or anything but whatever they had must have led them away from him if yeah if he only got kidnapping and lying Mm -hmm. silver lining to the story the baby girl was not injured in this which i am shocked i mean Mm -hmm. Thankfully, but also you would think shocked. a C-section would be a very a, a kitchen a kitchen yeah. knife C-section in the apartment by a crazy lady mm-hmm. does not have a promising outcome for the baby. But I'm she, but she's still here. Thankfully, her name is Hazley Joe, and the name was picked out by Savannah and her boyfriend before Savannah was murdered. Mm-hmm. She, like I said, was remarkably healthy throughout the whole thing. Just. Goodness, just a troop, a little trooper. Incredible. She's meant to be here. That that child, just twenty two. Her boyfriend had to grow up really quickly. He's dealing with the loss of Savannah, his long term girlfriend. He just became a father. He said that it was extremely difficult coming to terms with having a baby without Savannah. I can't even imagine. I, I yeah. But he and his daughter are inseparable. You can there's Aww. pictures of them online. We'll post on the Instagram. Ashton is not alone either. Ashton, her boyfriend. Savannah's family, obviously, there's no surprise here, is extremely supportive and have been helping him, guide him through parenthood. That's sweet. Mm-hmm. I, I, uh, yeah, something like that. Tragedy often brings people closer together. So even if they weren't close at the beginning, yeah. they've got to be close now. Mm-hmm. Hazley Joe, their little girl, will be was three years old this August. And... Ashton said she's just calm, happy baby, always smiling. 
cute old baby. I'm glad that she was not conscious, aware. I was just thinking the same thing. Yeah, at the time of all this happened uh, with the tragedy. I hope that that never resurfaces in any way. Yeah, Yeah. I hope that. I hope that she never has to hear this story one day. As a result of Savannah's murder, North Dakota Senator Heidi Heitkamp, she's also a Native American. She was she introduced Savannah's act to the United States Senate. And the bill was co-sponsored by Senator Lisa Murkowski of Alaska. And this bill aims to improve tribal access to federal crime information databases and create standardized protocols for responding to cases missing of missing and murdered Native American women. As of just recently, 2020, the bill is waiting to be passed by the U.S. House of Representatives. I hope it does get passed. I do, too. And This is a really recent crime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 2017 to today, trying to get the bill passed, you know, yep. as it should. It deserves a place. Um, but her her story definitely deserved to be told. And although it ended tragically, her, um, you know, she'll live through little Hazley Joe. And the Savannah Act hopefully will become law. And her murder will not be in vain. It will hopefully go on to help other indigenous women. I'm sorry that that's... I, I know, that kinda, one's so heavy. Kind of ends on a bummer, but... Which we do, we did want to take a little bit of this opportunity with this episode to tell you about some things you could put, you could potentially do to help mm-hmm. situations like this. So you can go to www.niwrc.org slash donate... It's the that is the National Indigenous Women's Resource Center. Mm-hmm. If you go to their main page, it can tell you all about ways to donate, events that they have, projects mm-hmm. that are going on, um, and they've got a really big button with a heart next to it that says "Donate." That you can donate to them, mm-hmm. or you can go to www.csvanw.org/donate. And this one is the Coalition to Stop. Violence against Native women. So, so, yeah, if you find it in your hearts to do that, we appreciate yeah. it. Because especially whenever we, we talk about heavy stuff like this, you know, it can be depressing. It can be. But with every, with all the bad, there is good. So little Hazley Joe is mm-hmm. some of the good that came out of this. And I, I imagine that her family, the people of, you know, passing this bill, trying to do good you can do good as well be knowledgeable about be respectful what's going on yep and hopefully we can all make this world a better mm-hmm. place for got, everyone you got to learn about history so history doesn't repeat itself yes so let's not repeat this story ever again and um just one more time i'm sorry for all of the things we mispronounced because we know we did mm-hmm. we'll be the first to admit it mm-hmm. thanks for listening yes thank you sorry if this one was a doozy but bringing you pocahontas then and today and we hope to see you next week. Next week. Not going to tell you what it is. Hannah, like, wa- Hannah wants to tell you. Not going to do. do it. If you head over to our Instagram page, I might try to at some point leak some. Shh, don't do it. I might try to give you a couple of spoilers. But I gave Lace, him a hint the other day. It was really random. Lacey's not going to give not, me a hint If I give you a hint, it's going to be, you're going to have to be a, a, um, a detective, a, sleuth, a super sleuth cause, to figure it out. Yeah. We'll, we'll try to bring something a little more lighthearted next time. All right. See you next time, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Have a in. great week. See you in two Tuesdays. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye.